0: the gym class zeros podcast where the zeros are the heroes baby i'm fired up i am fired up
1: what's up everybody welcome back to another edition of the gym class zeros podcast the boys are back we're pumped we're ready to roll if you're new here to this podcast let's introduce ourselves real quick first off my name is george
2: hey guys setty here
0: what's going on everybody For those who like Star Wars, may the 4th be with you. Kyle, if I stole that line from you, uh, I'm not really sorry, so I just want to throw that out there. But yeah, it's your boy Coach, back for another episode.
3: You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Brewmaster Kyle back here, and may the 4th be with you. From an actual Star Wars fan.
1: He called dibs on the Star Wars, and Coach just sewered him. In case you guys are wondering, said he's joining us from a cave in Indonesia, so he might sound a little
0: distant, but uh, no worries, he's fine, he's just quarantining wherever the hell he is. Actually, actually like in... one of his dreams was to go to Bali, so I mean, he's he's there.
2: Before we get into it, you guys are mentioning May the 4th. Are any of you guys wearing Star Wars t-shirts? No, are you? I am. I certainly am.
3: Doesn't matter, we can't That's...
1: see it. Kyle, you're 0-2 on the Star Wars, Star Wars fandom right now. But it's okay, we're going to give you, you, we have your own segment, so that's exactly where we're going to start, as we always do. It's blends brew of the week, so Mr. Kyle, what do you got brewing for us?
3: Well, wherever you guys are, uh, if it's sunny, it's not, it hasn't been very sunny lately here, but if it is, I recommend you guys crack open a Fria Cerveza from Amsterdam Brewery. It's a cerveza style lager, and it's brewed with fresh limes, so let's crack her open. Oh, that, that smells nice. So I'm going to pour this into my Carlton glass. Fuck you guys. Kyle, we said we don't speak about the Carlton glass anymore. Hey, all you said was it doesn't go on the Instagram page. Perfect pour. Exactly. Beauty. So it's super clear. Uh, very, very pale. You can kind of smell that fresh lime zest. Do I add lime to this? I've got a lime I ready. I would recommend right. it. Right. I'm um, squeezing the lime. Squeeze the lime, drop her in there. Uh, this one does bow nicely with a fresh lime. So uh, if you have it on hand, uh, bombs away. Uh, it's really easy to drink. That's just what I get from. I've had it before, and uh, on a hot summer, hot summer day, that's something that you're gonna want to get.
1: That's deadly.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree Hi, with you you more. You want to talk a little uh, bit,
1: about a bit about? the
2: so go ahead, go ahead. Give Kyle the, the, the room. This is his segment.
1: No, just real quick, do you want to talk about the uh, the meaning and why we're doing this video today?
3: So for where, if you're listening when this uh, podcast is being uploaded on Wednesday, May the 5th, uh, you'll probably know it's Cinco de Mayo. So I wanted to bring a Mexican-style lager to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Do you guys know where Cinco de Mayo uh, comes from, why it's celebrated? Yeah,
0: because it's May fifth, and that's what the title calls for.
3: Thanks, thanks, Coach. Okay, anyone the, uh, who actually has an answer?
0: Historian, a historian over there, Coach.
3: It's the uh, Mexican
2: Independence Day, isn't it?
3: Uh, not quite. It was a battle that they won against France, um, which actually I think later on they ended up losing. But it was a very triumphant battle. They had a fraction of the armed forces that the, Fran- the, the French did, and they uh, they won that battle on May the fifth. So. May the 5th be with you.
2: Tremendous. Yeah, this is a good one. It's uh, it's very smooth. I mean, I would say compared to uh, most uh, kind of Mexican lagers, uh, Cerveza-style lagers. But, yeah, great for a, a hot summer day, bring it to the beach, bring it camping. Uh, but, yeah, very nice for a warm summer day. Unfortunately, we don't have one of those today, but we'll just uh,
3: pretend like we are. Yeah, we can always pretend with the uh, magic of green screen.
1: This is killer, guys! I love this. Real nice, and and the can's super sweet. Of course, as always, you guys can check it out on Instagram at Jim Class Zeros Pod. But uh, it's like I got a, it's got a real Mexican feel to it, even though it's made in Toronto, uh, and so not very very Mexican, but uh, real nice kind of feel and look to it. Uh, so make sure you guys check it out. Uh, real nice can, real nice beer
3: so uh, toronto's where they brew corona now too so it's all the same is it really yeah that can be for another episode <laughs> tremendous
1: beauty five out of five uh, thank you for another fantastic edition of blends brew of the week mr kyle bland thanks for joining us once again thanks guys and don't worry guys kyle's gonna be back for uh, our would you rather segment so uh we never really truly get rid of kyle just a reminder, guys, as I mentioned, check out the can on Instagram at Gym Class Zero's Pod. And while you're at it, make sure you pull up Twitter, follow us at Gym Class Zero's Pod with a zero. Uh, we're kind of pumping a lot of stuff like that. And we're hoping to have another giveaway soon. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Make sure you follow and like everything that we post, every single thing, just because. Let's jump into this Wednesday in sports history. As you guys know, if you're frequent listeners, which I'm hoping you really are, uh, every, every episode we collect or we uh, basically give out, announce a specific, fun little Wednesday in sports history based on the day that this is being released. So today we're May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo. This is when we're releasing this episode, and we're going to take you back to 2004. May 5th, 2004, fu- future, at the time, future MLB Hall of Famer, later inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2016, Mike Piazza, such a major league home run record for catchers hitting his 352nd home run in New York Mets' A2 victory over the San Francisco Giants. He ends up finishing his career in 2007 with 427 career home runs, the most ever hit by a catcher in MLB history. Uh, as a former catcher myself, had to plug that piece right there. And, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a Hall of Famer. So, mad respect to Mike Piazza, one of the best guys behind the dish. Uh, ends up finishing his career with, like, a 308 average, something ridiculous uh and i really find this int- really impressive because as a catcher you're kneeling behind the plate for 9 innings a night regularly and so that your knees take a beating and so to be still productive to that level at bat is uh is huge so matter respect to Mike Piazza and all my catchers out there and that was this Wednesday in sports history
0: thanks George for a little interesting piece uh Mike Piazza played for the Mets so i automatically don't like him but that's for another day all right guys so we recently announced that we've got a sponsor and we just wanna give a shout out to Skillshare. For those of you who don't know what Skillshare is, Skillshare is an online interactive website where you can sign up for uh, different courses, whether it be uh, arts, design, entrepreneurship, technology, lifestyle, you name it, Skillshare's got it. So what we have for you is if you click the link in our, in our episodes, in our social media, you get a free trial of Skillshare premium for 14 days. That's two full weeks, and in two full weeks, you can become an expert at pretty much anything, but only if you click the link in our episodes. So make sure you go on our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, and click that link in order to receive your 14-day free trial. Guys, you will not regret this. Love me some Skillshare. All right, guys, let's jump into the episode.
1: We're talking one of my least favorite human beings in the world, Logan Paul. It was just announced he's going to fight Floyd Mayweather June six in Miami. So there's like, I want to get your your opinion on this. Does he stand a chance, or is he going to get embarrassed out there?
2: Uh, I mean he's fighting a uh, what forty three year old. So I mean he's probably in much better shape than he is. Uh, definitely he doesn't have the boxing experience quite like Mayweather does. But I think just in terms of age uh, and fitness level, I think he'll surprise most people on how long he can. He can last in the ring. I don't see him winning, but I think he might do better than most people give him the chance to do.
0: I think Logan Paul stands no chance against Floyd Mayweather. Like those who know me know how much I love Floyd Mayweather. I think he's the the best boxer of all time, arguably one of the greatest athletes of our time. And for him to be undefeated is just really impressive. I mean, good for Logan Paul to be able to like step in the ring with this guy, but he's got no chance. I think Floyd. I think Floyd's gonna knock him out. And if I had to put some money on it, I'm going Floyd all the way. The best ever, TBE. Do you
2: think that the fact that Floyd hasn't... So his last professional fight was against McGregor in 2017, and then he later fought, I think, in 2018. It was a kind of an exhibition fight like this one will be. Uh, I, I think it was a, an Asian kickboxer, so they did a, set up an exhibition fight in 2018. So he hasn't fought in at least three years uh do you think that will have any impact on the outcome or do you think he's still uh favored by long
0: shot i think once you've been doing something for so long and you develop the memory you know the muscle the memory to just like you remember how to do things i don't think you ever i don't think that's ever lost i think you have that forever it's like it's like how they say it's like like you learn to ride a bike and you'll and you'll remember how to ride a bike the the rest of your life. Listen, I tried to ride a bike last year, for the first time in a couple of years, and let me tell you, it was not a good time. But I think for a guy that's been doing it as long as he has been at the level he's been at, uh, is he gonna have to step back into the gym? Yeah, hundred percent, he will. But once it's you know once it's time to get into the ring and and that you know that the bell rings and it's time to go, I think Floyd will be, I, I think Floyd will be all right. I mean. I seen Paul. He li- he likes to post on his Instagram how he's training and stuff. But those who flex on the camera are, are usually the ones that that end up losing. So I I think he'll be all right. I think he'll yeah, be I, all right.
1: I'd like to Listen. see him get destroyed. I, I'm surprised, guys. I, I'm surprised that Floyd's even taking this fight. I think a guy with like him, he's got a perfect record. He's enjoying retirement. I don't think he needs the money. I mean, he, he could earn up to $100 million for this fight. Uh, but is it really worth possibly taking a chance at ruining the perfect record for even $100 million if you're a guy like Floyd
0: Money Mayweather? No chance. I would not. I would not even do that. Look, um, he must be bored. I'm sure he's not tight on cash. You know, I think he's just doing it to just ha- have a fight to have something for people to watch because... Now sports are starting to slowly start up, especially like you're seeing MMA and stuff. So I think it's time for the sport of boxing to host, you know, host a mega event with an actual boxer rather than just a YouTuber and a former MMA fighter. Um, so I think I think that'll be interesting. Is it worth the money? If you ask Floyd, he'll always say yes. He's always trying to make a buck, but to to, to potentially lose that the perfect record, I personally wouldn't do it. He's got enough money to. He's got enough money to live, die ten times, and still live comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really an issue for him.
2: Yeah, to me, it's for Mayweather. It's kind of a lose-lose situation. You know, even though he's probably uh, a huge, huge favorite coming into the fight, even if he wins and he goes to fifty-one and zero, he makes his whatever hundred million dollars. He's still forty-three years old. I'm sure Paul's still gonna land some shots on him. So. At that age, you know, getting a couple of shots to the face or to the head, it's hard to recover from that. So I think even though he's probably going to win, I think it's still a stupid fight for him to to pick up just in terms of, uh, you know, health and longe- longevity of his life, you know, uh, getting probably, I mean, even if you win, you can still get concussed from getting blows to the head, so... I mean, to me, it makes no sense for him to pick this up, even if it's for a hundred million dollars uh but yeah, I mean, for me, he has no business taking this fight.
1: never know maybe maybe Covid's taken a real hit on his uh strip club businesses and and Floyd needs the money I think yeah like it it doesn't it again, it doesn't make sense to me like why why take this fight? You don't need the notoriety, you're already the best in in your sport. You don't need the money, allegedly. I don't see it here, but I think when you look at Logan Paul, it's a win-win. Nobody expects you to win, so you lose whatever. You lost to Floyd Mayweather, one of the best to to ever jump into the ring. And if you win, you you just beat Floyd Mayweather. Uh, And either way, you're making a ton of cash in the the process. So I I think real real good for Logan Paul. I, I still don't really get it for Floyd Mayweather. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of shape he shows up in. I think when he fought McGregor, uh, he had been out of the ring for a little while, and he came in and he was still he still had it, and uh, he was still in good shape, and he prepared for that, and it was quite impressive to see kind of uh, the level he was still fighting at after past his forties. Uh, in this case, we're looking another three years later. Um, it'll be super interesting to see what he can bring and 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 what this fight's going to look like.
2: My question is, why do we like why do we keep or why do these people keep falling for their bait? You know, these two, these Paul brothers, they're, you know, they're getting these these big fights. They're making bank, fighting people. They have no business fighting. And everyone complains about it. So I, I think there also is kind of on the other side of the coin is if you want, if we want to stop talking about Logan and Jake Paul, we want to stop seeing them seeing them fight. These fights they shouldn't be fighting. Uh, we gotta stop falling for their bait and their antics, and calling people out. Just let them talk their shit, and you know, the more the more we give them, the more money they make. So, uh, it's it's kind of it kind of blows my mind in terms of uh, what they've been able to do and people falling for it.
0: Yeah, but at the end of the day, like you make a good point. But at the end of the day, what's the whole whole goal of this? To make money, right? And and those guys already have. Uh, you know a lot of cash to start with so if 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 you don't have money you can't make money so i think at the end of the day it's to make a buck it's to entertain some people um and i imagine it being down in florida i'm sure there will be attendance you know I, i'm sure the arena will be full um so that on top of the pay-per-views on top of everything else involved i mean they're bound to make a nice payday but you do make a good point those two brothers are just idiots and we keep giving them the attention that they want and that we shouldn't really be giving them. Yeah.
1: Jake Paul has been calling out Daniel Cormier now from the UFC. Daniel Cormier has probably got like 50 to 60 pounds on him. I really hope they fight because he'll kick the shit out of him. Uh, but that's enough about the Paul brothers because, you know, fuck those guys. Let's move on. How about some hockey? Uh, everybody's favorite character, everybody's favorite goon. Tom Wilson is added again. In case you guys missed it last night, uh, on Monday night in the second period of the game between the Rangers and the Capitals. Rangers forward Pavel Bushnevich had a scoring chance. Basically, he got tossed stomach first onto the ground. Uh, Tom Wilson somehow ended up on top of him, punched him in the back of the head. Then Scrum ensues. He get, they get pulled apart. Somehow, Tom Wilson and Artemi Panarin are, are going at it together, just kind of like jostling. Wilson takes Panarin's helmet off, grabs him by the back of the hair, Uh, and slams him head first into the ice, uh, head falling backwards. Basically just grabs him by the hair and just pulls him down, hitting his head against the ice. Uh, And the reaction, I guess, online was very, very strong. Everybody was calling for Tom Wilson to be suspended big time. uh, And the NHL's Department of Public Safety basically did the complete opposite of that. They just fined him $5,000 and uh, is going on like nothing happened which is an absolute abomination. I think it's, it's a disgrace, but I want to get your opinion before we go into this because I, I saw this last night, and I'm, I've been thinking about it all day, and I'm like, this this is horseshit. Uh, how this guy's still in the league doing shit like this is ridiculous, uh, but I'll let you guys go first and see what you think about this.
0: I love Tom Wilson. Listen, fuck Tom Wilson. you guys like to give me a hard time that I like this guy. I think he's the last of a dying breed. Like I think the role of the goon, the enforcer, has slowly been eliminated out of the game. It's more of a speed and skill game and we don't see that anymore. Now, it was extreme. I, I like I can't lie, but the fact that he didn't get suspended, I'm not mad about that. You know what I mean? Like he's playing his role. If it's to get under people's skin, if it's if it's to throw the body around, I'm I'm all for it. I think I think the fine was appropriate. Um but I don't think he sh- he should get a suspension. Like, I hope they don't go back and say, okay, well, we're going to review this again, and we may uh, suspend him a little bit. And you know what? Not to sound like an asshole, but the Rangers are not making the playoffs anyways. You know, it's not like they're injuring a star player who they need in the first round of the playoffs. The Rangers have been dog shit this year. Uh, that's no surprise to anybody. So if you were playing a team like the Bruins or the Islanders, different story, but, I mean, I, I think against the Rangers, doesn't really matter. They'll be injured. They'll miss the rest of the season. There's a, only a couple games left, and they'll be fine for the next year. Or so, uh, I think the NHL made a good call here. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not too upset here with Tommy Wilson.
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Coach. Uh, I think he, he gets a lot of shit uh, from a lot of people. But I think he – I don't think he deserves it. Uh, obviously, you know, he's been in uh, – in the limelight a few times for for a couple of uh, incidents that he's taken part in but i think he's just a player who plays with a lot of passion a lot of energy and a lot of speed so you know sometimes when you play like that uh there are certain occasions where in a flash like flash of a second you know something happens without really you even thinking about it i think a lot of the stuff when it comes to tom wilson is yeah he might uh have a couple dirty hits here and there, but I think with him, what kind of sets him apart from other players that we've seen in the past is I don't think it's really intentional. I think it's just oftentimes just quick plays and he, he plays rough, he plays fast and uh, you know, kind of sometimes he lands himself in hot water, but I kind of agree. I think uh, if there was a suspensionable play, if there was uh, the need for, you know, for supplementary discipline, I'm sure the NHL would have stepped in, especially with a guy like him uh, kind of having his name always thrown in there in terms of suspension. So I think they would have made an example with him if it was justified, but I think in this case uh, it wasn't and he got the fine that he deserved. And I think we get carried away when it comes to like repeat offenders in terms of uh, these sorts of incidents, but I think you have to step back and, Pretend it was like a, a player that was never suspended. Would you suspend him? I don't think his history should have a, an impact on uh, on the actions within the game. I think it should just be, should that action be suspended? Uh, does this action warrant a suspension? Yes or no? doesn't matter what he's done in the past. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you, Coach. I think what he got was uh, well-deserved and nothing more.
0: And I think, you know, if you look at Goose, just kind of, you know, Say in the last ten years or so, the first guy I think of is uh, is um, he he played for the Penguins uh, from Matt, Matt Cook. Cook. Matt Cook. So Matt uh, Cook I don't was. See,
2: I don't even consider Tom Wilson a goon. He, no,
0: he's just a he's dangerous a
1: player at- that has no dis- he has no he has his complete disregard for the other guys on the ice with him. That's what
0: he is. No, see, he he's got a goon aspect of his game. He can score. He can put pucks in the net like. He's able to do that. He's got that edge, though, and that's what I like about him is that like he can play, you know, he, he can do both things. He can throw the body around. He can get rough and tough, but he can also score. He's got some good hands. Now, I just want to roll back to Matt Cook. You guys remember when he stepped on the Achilles of Eric Carlson? You guys remember that? Eric Carlson was out almost a year. At the time, he was our franchise guy. Like scumbag move, like. And then he, and then he, nasty headshot, nasty headshot to Mark Savard, ended his career. I'll never forget watching that where Mark Savard's head hits the ice so hard, I thought he died on the ice. That's a goon. That's a guy that should be banned forever, or that should have been, or that should have been, you know, never been allowed to, like, to play in the NHL again okay, maybe Tom Wilson's a bit of a hothead, throws a body around, punches a guy in the head, all right, you know, they're going to play again, Mark Savard never played again, Eric Carlson potentially could have never played again, and I think that's where you have to kind of be able to separate those, the goons and the hotheads, like I think those are two completely separate things that we have to be aware of, and yeah, it's quick to jump on the, you know, jump and say, fuck Tom Wilson. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not the nicest guy, but he's got a job to do and he does it just fine.
1: This is not the same thing, though. Matt Cook has, has seriously injured people. Nobody's saying he's a good guy. In this case, Tom Wilson's just gotten lucky. He's gotten lucky that he hasn't killed anybody out there. What happened last night had zero to do with the actual hockey game. It was not a hockey play. It wasn't during in between the whistles. The first guy, Buschnevis has got his head down, he just fell on the ice, and he just grabs his glove with his glove on and just punches him in the back of the head. Just sucker punches him. You're not even allowed to do that in the UFC, where the actual sole point of the the actual sport is to fight. You can't even do that in the UFC. And then with Panarin, he pulls the guy's helmet off, grabs him by the back of the head with the, the hair, and slams his head down on the ice. Again, this is not during the game, this is after the play is done. He knows what he's doing. And he, he's going to seriously hurt somebody if he's not stopped. And it's it's a shame on the NHL for not doing anything more. The New York Rangers have issued a statement basically calling for George Peros' job. I'm not sure if you guys saw this yet, but it's basically a, a statement that was issued by the New York Rangers. And I'll save you the full details. But it basically ends with, we view this as a derelication of duty by NHL head of player safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. He's a repeat offender. He's proven time and time again that he makes bad decisions that put people on the ice in danger. It's not part of the game. And the fact that he's a good hockey player that he can actually score doesn't give him free reign to do stupid shit like this and injure other people. It's great that you're a good hockey player, but that doesn't mean that you're allowed to just then go around running around and hurting people. Oh, but at least you're a good hockey player? Make better decisions. Have respect for the people on the ice with you. These are your competitors. Sure, they're against you. Sure, but they're also part of a larger NHL players family. This guy in front of you has a life, he has a family. It doesn't, just because you're playing inside of a hockey rink doesn't give you the right to do whatever the hell you want and hurt people around you. Make it in a hockey play. The guy's skin through the middle of the ice with the puck, he's got his head down, make a clean hockey hit, no problem with that. After the whistle, you go and grab a guy by the back of the head with his, with his hair and yank him down on the ice, head first, without a helmet on, gotta do See, better, gotta do
0: better. No, no, I know what you're saying, but, George Peros, you know, he, I know he's been known to not always make the right calls. But at the end of the day, I think he's not as tough on him, especially Tom Wilson, as we know, it's not his first time around, not his first time getting in trouble with the league. However, I think how he chooses to to find him does have an impact based on the fact that he's actually a half-decent hockey player. I think that actually has an influence on what he chooses to do with Tom Wilson. Now I know that's not right, ethically. When a guy does anything wrong, he's he's got to pay the price. But I think George Perros has a soft spot for Tom Wilson. It's obvious, clearly. It's on um, the last few, like the last Tom few Tom Wilson wipes he's his he's ass with five, $5 thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wish I could say the same for myself. But at the end of the day, what's going to happen is he's going to pay the five grand. And he'll be in the lineup Wednesday night. You can't change the ruling; it is what it is, and we just have to go about it. Like there's, like there's nothing we could do about it. So, I think us trying to debate it, to bitch and moan, won't change George Perros's you know, idea, his his input. He's not going to listen to gym class zeros on Cinco de Mayo. Have an Amsterdam free a cerveza and go. Maybe I'll suspend Wilson three games. You know, it, it is what it is. Unfortunately, we just have to move on
1: what's going to happen here is two things. One, the NHL is going to lose control of what happens on the ice because now instead of actually getting retribution the proper way, the Rangers are going to go out next time and they're going to try to injure or hurt or do something even worse to Tom Wilson themselves because the NHL Department of Player Safety did not hold him accountable for his actions and now the Rangers are going to feel it's on them to hold them accountable. You lose control of the game just like that.
2: I think that happens regardless he gets suspended or not. I think players will always take justice into their own hands. Whether he gets suspended or not, the next time they play each other, he's still he's still going to be targeted by the team. So I don't think that uh, that will have a huge effect on whether or not they go after him.
1: They're going to lose control of this game next time these two teams play. Because let me close off. You do something stupid. One, he does something stupid. He's ca- he's asking for it, and then he gets zero accountability. It's it's twice. It's it's times two. It's twofold. But two, the NHL also doesn't re- doesn't realize that you don't want to end up in the same situation that the NFL's in, where you've got guys going around doing whatever the hell they want, hurting people, and then when you have long-lasting injuries from these from these dis- despicable actions, you end up with. People coming back and saying the NHL can't protect their players, and now I've got long-lasting injuries that I can't even do things. And already you see it. But now you're going to amplify this. Look at what's happened in the NFL with the lawsuit. Because the NFL failed to protect their players the proper way. And the NHL is going down the same route, and they're going to get themselves in the same hot water. But guess what? The NHL doesn't have as large as pockets as the
0: NFL does. They can't afford that like the NFL does. Listen, I I, th- I think if you're the New York Rangers... I think the best way to get your revenge is to win hockey games. You you look just as bad as the Capitals do trying to exact some sort of revenge on, on him. And I, I just want to close this off with a quote from Gandhi. An eye for an eye makes the world blind. So if you're the Rangers, move on, put pucks in the net, and look forward to next year, and just let's get this, let's get this fucking puck rolling, boys. I'm done with hockey here because I'm really getting into it, and I know we have some other things to talk about. So let's fucking... Let's move on before I pull the little hair I have left on my head off.
1: Who would have thought that coach was going to be the first one to quote Gandhi on the podcast? Plus 500. Let's talk some soccer then, guys, because we're fired up and, and no better way to keep the fire up going than talking some soccer. Champions League semifinals. Last week, that was the first leg. This week, we got the second leg. My Manchester City boys in blue. Uh, move on to the final and they're going to face either Chelsea or Real Madrid who's playing tomorrow night or at the time that you're listening to this probably today uh, this game's going into the second leg it's basically a score of 1-1 on aggregate uh, what do you guys think do you see, think we're going to see an all-English final Chelsea's looked really good lately do we see Chelsea moving on and, and playing City in the final of the Champions League
2: yeah I think uh, I think Chelsea has the upper hand here I think they they pull through and they they make it to the to the finals uh you know then it's going to be a matter of coach versus george and i think unfortunately for coach uh, man city blues are gonna prevail and be champions league winners but uh that debate can ha- can happen once the once chelsea uh clinches but yeah i think uh they make it
0: in listen i think chelsea has been arguably the hottest team in europe since the turn of the year Since January, they brought in their new coach, and they've just been on a streak. They've been on fire. It's 1-1 right now, but they're up because they have the away goal. I do think it will be an all-English final. That may be not too appealing for some fans, but I want to see it. And don't forget, guys, don't forget, George, especially you. Chelsea beat Man City in the FA Cup. That that happened. So history could repeat itself here on the grandest stage in Europe uh i think i think we've got this we got the one away goal we're coming back to stanford bridge this week uh we've got that you know the confidence of of just you know of being ahead and we're just we're unstoppable and i think it's going to be chelsea man city in the finals you heard it here first i don't see so i I
1: hear a lot of things about the whole all english final and how we'd be averse to that and people don't want to see an all english final I get that they're both Premier League teams and that they've played each other already this season and we're kind of sick and tired of watching the same two teams play again. But to me, I look at it and I think right now, if you look in Europe, the two best teams playing right now are most likely Manchester City and Chelsea. And so if Chelsea gets past Real Madrid, I don't see an issue seeing these two teams duke it out in the Champions League finals. I think it's appropriate. Um, these are the two best teams right now playing at the top of their their, their skill. At the top of their class right now, and I I have no issue seeing those two teams if, if that would be it. If it's real, it's real. But otherwise, I don't. I'm not on that whole bandwagon of it. Better not be two English teams in the finals. I don't really care. I just want to see the best type of football out there, the best type of soccer. And if that's Chelsea City, I'm cool with that, as long as City wins.
2: It's uh, you know, you can't fault anyone for if both team, those two teams make to the finals. They were the two top teams, so you can't really complain you're going to watch the two best teams duke it out in the finals. And actually think uh, the opposite of kind of what's being said. I think the fact that it's two English teams, two teams that play each other regularly, I think that actually increases the level of competition. But just uh, the added rivalry going into that game will just make it an even better match.
1: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see who gets through. Uh, looking forward to it. I know I'll be watching. Hope you guys will be too uh and uh coming soon to a podcast near you we'll be talking champions league final we'll see who it's gonna be it's gonna be we know it's gonna be manchester city will it be chelsea or real that's to be seen looking forward to it guys uh let's touch on some football real quick here guys nfl draft last week no surprise to anybody trevor lawrence goes number one to the jags uh we saw qbs go at number one two and three Uh, just as I think the three of us predicted. No real surprise there. Uh, But when you look at your individual teams, and Sadi, we'll start with you and your Baltimore Ravens. What do you think of of the first round and and maybe just the draft as a whole? How did they do in your eyes?
2: Uh, I'm very happy with what they ended up accomplishing. Uh, Especially in the first round, there were two big needs that they had to fill. Uh, One of them being, they've kind of been over the last few seasons, they've been kind of lacking at the receiver end for for Lamar Jackson. He's that's kind of been the one thing that he's been missing is uh, consistent and uh reliable receivers to throw to. So uh they picked up a, a solid receiver in at the 27th pick in the first round and then uh another need that they had to address was uh picking up uh defensive and uh an edge rusher so you know, they lost two key defensive players uh, in the offseason through free agency. So they picked up a, a one of the top defensive ends in the draft. So I'm, I'm also very happy with that and uh, kind of not really draft related, but came basically a, a day after the draft. They also picked up uh, Villanueva from the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, their rivals. Uh, so he's going to come in, fill in the void that uh, Orlando Brown Jr., left in the trade to kansas kansas city so that was i think a huge pickup wasn't part of the draft but uh kind of uh something that came from the draft so yeah i'm very happy with what they did excited to see what they can do next season i think they you know coming into the draft they they're actually worse worse than they were last season in terms of the players that they lost and i think uh these pickups will bring them back where to, but right back to where they were. And if not, they've uh, maybe slightly improved. So very happy with what they were able to do.
1: Hey, I'll got to admit when, when the Ravens are firing in all cylinders, um, Lamar Jackson's at his best. That's an exciting team to watch. And uh, so, so hoping for you that they're going to be competitive again this year and uh, see where the Ravens go. Uh, you coach your Indianapolis Colts. How do you feel about how they did last week?
0: Listen, uh, um In the first round, we drafted a defensive end who went to the University of Michigan, uh, was doing some reading up on him. Seems pretty legit. However, the Colts didn't address their immediate need for a left tackle. So longtime left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, retired at the end of the year. Um, For those of you who don't know football very well, your left tackle is arguably your most important position if your quarterback is right-handed because that's his blind side. And Anthony Costanza was there for a long time, a solid guy, retired, and the Colts have to fill that void. They didn't do that in the first round, whether because they felt that there was no left tackle available that would meet their standards, or if they will be uh, attempting to sign one in free agency, or maybe do it via trade. Uh, so I'm a little bit kind of disappointed with the Colts, I mean... We were 11-5 and five last season, lost to the Bills uh, in the wildcard. Shout out, Producer Seggs. Um, but we didn't address our ultimate need, and at the end of the day, it may hurt us come come the regular season unless um, they could find somebody via free agency, like I mentioned. So overall, I'm happy, but not as happy as I think Sadie is with the Ravens or you are with the 49ers, George.
1: Yeah, exactly Uh, I I like the number I think anybody you're drafting at number 3 is going to be elite and they're going to be really good Uh, Niners take Trey Lance uh, the quarterback of the future as we see it right now at number 3 he'll definitely be kind of sitting uh, and watching Jimmy Caroppolo and learning from him this season and we'll see what he can do in the future Uh, what I really like though is a second rounder Uh, guard Aaron Brooks for Notre Dame I think he played mostly on the left side uh, at Notre Dame, he's going to come in and, and play in real well on the right side, the right tackle side, uh, for the Niners, and that's going to really solidify that that offensive line a little bit better. Because as we saw last year with all the injuries, uh, they need some help, especially at that offensive line. Uh, and so I think you give Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit more time. Um, last year we saw the high ankle sprain. The year before, the, the year before that was his his, his knee injury. Uh, and so the guy's not got doesn't have the best legs right now, but I I think I have trust in Jimmy G, as you guys know. Uh, so if you provide the proper protection for Jimmy G and give him some time in the pocket to to make his to go through his progressions and make the throws he needs to make, uh, I have a lot of faith, and I think this team, if healthy, can contend for a Super Bowl again this year. Uh, so looking forward to the NFL season. I've, I think I've said this before. I don't think the NFL season ever kind of ends. Uh, just always I can always talk NFL which is super awesome uh, and one also honorable mention to producer Seggs his bills I'm not sure if you guys caught the video online of their new draft pick jumping getting ready for bills mafia jumping onto a table uh, and producer Seggs told us before we started recording here that he doesn't need to be pushed or thrown onto a table if we ever get to Buffalo uh, he will absolutely uh, full consent he will jump onto the table uh, at a tailgate in buffalo so uh coming soon to a podcast for near you i guess is the gym class heroes are probably are going to hopefully have to hit the road uh, and catch a game in buffalo and then all jump onto some tables with bill's mafia so hopefully that we that's something we could do in the near future real quick too guys when we stay with the nfl i'm sure you guys saw the report that surfaced uh, in regards to aaron Rodgers and green bay it seems like he's really, really over it. There, he wants out. He's actually—the report is saying that he's actually would rather retire than go back to the Green Bay and play another season as a Packer. Uh, so, some really ugly stuff there. I just want to see what you guys think. How do you think this plays out? Do you think this is a relationship that could be salvaged, or is—is is Aaron Rodgers never putting
0: on a Green Bay Packers jersey ever again? I—I I think Aaron Rodgers is just a huge scumbag. Like, like listen. I get it that you don't want to play there anymore, but don't take it to the extreme that you'll retire. Like, ask for a fucking trade. Like, be half decent. Like, what the fuck? You're going to retire? Are you kidding me? You still got some game left. See who's interested. I'm sure almost every team in the NFL, with the exception of maybe the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, and the teams who just drafted a quarterback, would be interested in Aaron Rodgers. Don't just say, I'm going to retire. Like, I've never heard anything good about Aaron Rodgers. Like, I've always heard he's been an asshole to people. Just a real prick. Like, so I'm not surprised to hear this from Aaron Rodgers' camp. And especially out of his own mouth that he said, I'd rather retire. Like, you know what? If your attitude's going to be that shitty, just fucking retire. But you still have game left in you. So don't just don't just quit. Like, don't, like, don't be a fucking idiot and just hang him up because you don't want to play for Green Bay. Like, ask for a trade. Force them to trade you. If you have to sit out, sit out until they trade you because you're still worth something, you know you still got game. So Aaron Rodgers, if you're listening to this, coach says don't fucking retire, you dummy.
2: Yeah, I think the only relationship that needs to repair be repaired is Aaron Rodgers' relationship with his own ego. Um, I think that's the, I think that's the base of the problem. Is this guy's got such an inflated ego. I think he's comparing himself to the likes of Tom Brady, who maybe with the Patriots had a lot of say in some of the decisions the organization made, but buddy, you're not Tom Brady. Yeah. You're a good quarterback, but you're not at that level. And, you know, he's been kind of a source of trouble over the last five years in, in green Bay, uh, stemming back to the last year with Mike McCarthy, he was calling audibles, I think on almost a third of the plays, basically just, you know, uh, try to prove that he he's the shot caller there not the coach and then uh he gets fired matt Lafleur comes in right away they butt heads and then you know this whole situation uh, i think it stems back to the fact that green bay picked a quarterback two years ago in the draft and he was upset about that thinking that he was you know being replaced or that he was on his way out but in any case you know your job is to be the quarterback Go out in the field, do your job, let the GMs, let the coaches do their job. You have to have trust in what they're doing. That's what their job is. Do your job, step on the field, throw the ball, and shut up. You know, At the end of the day, you get paid to throw the ball. You don't get paid to make executive decisions.
0: And the, and the irony of it all is Aaron Rodgers was once that kid that got drafted. He was once in the shadow of Brett Favre. From what I recall, I don't think Brett Favre ever made a scene that they drafted a quarterback or that they had brought in a young quarterback into their organization because he knew his time would come to an end and they, that he would have to move on. So why does Aaron Rodgers think he's, one, God, two, thinks he's you know way better than, than anybody? Because he was once that kid. He was once that quarterback that was brought in to learn and eventually be the number one guy. So now that he's past his prime, and that maybe it's time to move on, like, don't be a fucking baby about it. Accept what's going to happen. Accept that that kid's going to eventually be the quarterback in Green Bay. And instead of being a baby, help him blossom. Like, don't be selfish. Like, that's just, it's just incredible. It just comes to show you the kind of guy that Aaron Rodgers is. And I'm just glad he's not on my fucking team. Like I, I'm just glad he's not in. He's, I'm just glad he's not in Indianapolis.
1: I'm aii I'm I'm Team Aaron Rodgers personally. I, I know he gets a lot of heat, and I don't know him personally. Um, to me, when I see when my team is playing the Packers, doesn't matter what the score is, come crunch time, he's always dangerous. And I think from from a perspective of just play, like on field play, I think this guy is one of the best. He's dangerous. He's scary. He can go off at any time. He can make these impossible throws. He can stretch plays out. Pretty impressive. Um, In terms of kind of how this makes him look, I I agree. Like this, just it's a bad look. And 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 I just I want to wonder what how bad is this relationship there? Uh, I'm assuming it's with Matt Lafleur, the head coach. But I I can't wait to find out till Schefter kind of gets the report onto what exactly is causing the, the the strain. Because when I look at them there, apparently all the talk was that I'm sure the minute that broke, because it was actually interesting timing, it actually broke, I think, the night before the draft, uh, the news that Schefter broke. I'm sure that their phone lines blew up in Green Bay. Anybody and anybody, like you name them, coach, there's probably a handful of teams that wouldn't want or don't, don't need, not necessarily don't want, don't need Aaron Rodgers in their lineup. And so everybody else in the league, I'm sure, was calling up Green Bay and saying, listen. What do you want for a guy like Aaron Rodgers? And I heard it from John Lynch directly, or or sorry, uh, it was Kyle Shanahan. They basically called up and they told him, you're wasting your time. He's not on the market. We're not moving Aaron Rodgers. And so to me, that says that Green Bay thinks that there's a a salvageable relationship there. Because if you're ever going to trade your franchise quarterback, it's going to be right before the draft. Because you're going to try to pick up one, a top two or top three pick in that year's draft, plus, 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 plus. So the best time to make that trade was before the draft. Um, and so if they didn't make a move then, I don't know if they they plan on making it or think that they need to make that move. So it'll be really interesting to see how bad that relationship is. Uh, and ultimately, see if Aaron Rodgers is at training camp uh, come the beginning, come this fall in the beginning of training camp in the NFL and see if he's going to be wearing that Green Bay Packers jersey. Uh, very interesting to see what happens out there, especially when it gets public. It's ugly. It doesn't look good for anyone. And lastly, guys, let's talk a little bit of uh, basketball. So so the NBA announced a play-in style tournament to determine playoff matchups. So many players have voiced their displeasure with this. One of them, of course, being LeBron James, who said, quote, whoever came up with this shit needs to be fired. Uh, and so, Seti, as a resident basketball expert, I want to bring you in, if you can explain it to us a little bit how this works and, and what you think about this whole playoff or play-in style tournament.
2: Yeah, so <clears throat> if I understand it correctly, I don't have... Uh my notes up in front of me, so if any, if I make a mistake, anyone, feel free to step in. But I think it, what happens is basically, uh, because it's a shortened season, what they've decided to do is the uh, 7 and 8 seed will play a head-to-head matchup, and then the 7 and 8 and then 9 and 10 play against each other, and then the the winner of both matchup f- uh, fights for the last playoff spot. Is that, re- is that right?
0: So the seven and eight seed will play each other whoever wins gets the seven seed then you've got the ninth playing the tenth seed so the so the winner of that and the loser of the seven and eight seed uh games play a one game playoff and whoever wins that gets the eighth seed um so it's the winner of the teams that are on brink of making the playoffs and the loser of the teams that are on the on the brink of not making the playoffs play one game uh whoever wins gets the eighth eighth seed essentially
2: okay yeah so uh i mean in terms of the play-in uh i i don't mind it i think because it's a shortened season you know towards you know those last four or five games of the season those are the make or break games for the the teams that are on the the brink of of making it so with a shortened season, I I understand the the fact that you want to give those those you know those last four teams a, a shot at fighting for that those last two spots. So I don't disagree with that. And uh, you know a lot of these top players that are coming out against it, for one aren't going to be aren't going to be participating in the play in. And for two, LeBron James, you're sitting out half the season for rest. So you know you shouldn't be complaining of having to play a few extra games at the end of the season if if that's the case. Um, and also, I mean, I'm not going to hate on it because this is the only real reason why the Raptors still have a chance of of making in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. I I don't see the big deal surrounding this whole situation, and I think uh, it makes sense in terms of having a shortened season and uh, uh, giving those those teams that, if it wasn't a two-game schedule, would maybe be able to make it in, but because it's shortened... Uh, they have less games to make up. So, yeah, I don't mind it at all.
1: I think it's interesting. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, the way that the, the the top, so not the first seed in the championship uh, division of the English football or soccer uh, make it into the Premier League, but I know like, that the top other five, so the second, third, and fourth seed, or excuse me, the third, fourth, and fifth seed and sixth seed, uh, what they do in order to gain promotion to the Premier League uh those four teams play in like a mini tournament and the winner joins the first and second seed to move up and be promoted uh to the Premier league and And so i think this is kind of one of those ways but this is more to be seated in the playoffs so i mean if i'm the nba i'm looking for a few more games on the docket to sell some ads for um why not uh the the flip side of it though is you're putting a little bit more strain on some of these players right before the playoffs uh, a few extra games, a few more chances to get injured or a little bit more wear and tear on those bodies. And so uh, I can see why the Players Association would not be happy of it, but I'm sure the NBA is all about it. A bit more revenue, that never hurts, especially in a COVID environment that we're in right now. Perfect. So let's bring Mr. Kyle Bland back into the fold here. Uh, we're going to do our trademarked Would You Rather segment now. Uh, just a reminder, guys, this is going to be posted on our, on our social media, so on Twitter and on on uh, Instagram. And so we invite you guys to go uh, and check out the poll on Twitter at Gym Class Zero's Pod with a zero, and then our story. And they're actually highlighted so you can see the results from past weeks on Instagram at Gym Class Zero's Pod uh, and make your vote on which of these two options you would rather. Uh, so we'll start with Mr. Bland because he's been quiet throughout the episode and patiently waiting for this uh, great segment that he loves so much. Uh, so, would you rather be a backup quarterback or a backup goalie?
3: So, for two reasons. I'm going to choose the backup goalie. Uh, first reason, never been a, a big football player. Uh, I think it's a great game, but uh, I am not equipped for that sport. So, uh, Second reason, uh, I think it's just a nice, comfy spot to sit right the, on the pine. Uh, Stay on the bench, you get to uh, hang out with the players while they play. And, uh, and if you do have to get called in, you can be that difference maker in that game. So, uh, I think it's a, a backup goalie would be the better choice. So, are you a backup quarterback or a backup goalie?
2: Yeah, I th- I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to agree with Colin and go backup goalie. I think, uh, just in terms of playing time, I think over the course of a, I mean, obviously a, an NHL season is much longer than an NFL season, uh, which allows the backups to get more games in. Uh, they also, you know, gets they see that uh, relief, those few games of relief that they come in when it's, a, you know, a blowout game. So, I think just in terms of uh, being able to see more playing time uh, as a backup goalie in hockey than a backup or second string QB in the NFL, I think uh, I'm going to go goalie.
0: Coach? I'm going to be a backup quarterback for one reason and one reason only is you make more money. When you're a backup, you know you're not good enough to start, so you're just going to ride the bench anyways. Take, for example, a guy like Andy Dalton, okay? Okay. He's in Chicago. He's going to be the backup to Justin Fields, which I assume. And Andy Dalton's on a friendly one-year $10 million contract. As a backup goalie in the NHL, do you know how many years you have to play to make $10 million? Probably many. That's never happened. Yeah, probably or may it's never happen. Your whole career. Your, your whole career you won't sniff close to $10 million. Yeah, you'll come and play in the fourth quarter if your team's up by three, four, five touchdowns and, you, and you're and you just, you know, or you're getting there to play some reps or if your team's completely out of the playoffs, you're, you know, eliminated. You don't want to injure your star guy. You throw in the backup. Who cares if he has a good game or a bad game? At the end of the day, though, your time in sports is not very long. So try to maximize your revenue. Try to maximize your profit. So if I'm a guy like Andy Dalton, I get to sit on the bench, watch NFL football live, and make $10 million a year? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And, I mean, I don't know how to skate, so I would never be a goalie.
1: All very valid points. I'm going to side with Kyle and Seti here. Uh, To me, a backup quarterback, you're probably never going to play all season unless something disastrous happens. Uh, And you still have to learn the entire playbook, which could be very daunting, and nobody wants more homework. So for me, I'm going to be the backup goalie. I'm going to sit there on the bench, the best seat in the house watching NHL caliber games day, night in night out. And every once in a while I get thrown in there for, for a game and nobody really expects much from the backup. So it uh, just got to be average and then I can go back to my seat on the bench. So I'm cool with that. I'm a backup goalie nine times out of 10. No, actually 10 times out of 10. Definitely coach let's reverse it here we'll start with you on this one for our second would you rather of the episode would you rather be a head coach or a general manager of a team uh and i was just thinking about my answer for this and so what i would say to you guys here is it doesn't it doesn't necessarily speak to a certain sport you can take it to whichever sport just in general head coach or gm
0: Uh, i think i'd rather be gm and 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 i'm going to relate this to the hockey when things go wrong within an organization, who's the first guy to go? It's always the coach. No matter what the GM does, no matter the signings he makes, the acquisitions he makes, the draft picks he makes, when things go wrong, they point out one guy, and the one guy is the coach. Ironically, my name is Coach. I would not find myself first. But at the end of the day, the GM is safe because he probably has a better kind of acquaintanceship or call it what you want a relationship with the ownership group and they've put more trust in the gm rather than the coach whereas i think the relationship the coach has with the ownership isn't as strong i think it's stronger with the gm so i think it's not a direct point of contact in between ownership and at the end of the day it all comes down to what ownership wants uh if you look at if you look at for example the montreal canadians um Mark Bergevin has had uh quite a few head coaches while while being the GM there and yet he's never lost a job because of the relationship he has with the Molson family. Um so I think for that reason I'd rather be the GM just to kind of you're given more chances to, you know, be able to make up for the, the mistakes you made, whereas the coach always kind of on the hot seat.
1: Sally, are you uh Dominique Duchamp or Mark Bergevin?
0: I'm neither. I'm, I'm Masai Ujiri. Uh
2: No, I th- I'm going to agree with coach. I'm going to go GM. Um, not really because of the job stability portion. I know most of his picks have, have to do with uh, either money or job security. But uh, I'm going to go just because of uh, how much – Like I think you have more of an impact on the team than the coach does, uh, even though you're – like you said, you're at least – less likely to 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 get fired you have more of an opportunity to put your fingerprint on on the team and i'm a big fan of watching these i know coach you're gonna probably tear into me because you always turn to to george for talking about documentaries but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of watching those you know behind the scenes whether it be used, used to be the uh the nhl 24 7 from hbo or the raptors uh open court, you know, watching the deals, all the all the stuff that happens in the background with the GM. No, and I,
0: I I love that stuff.
2: Yeah, on uh, on the draft it when it comes to the drafts, you know, seeing those war rooms, I want to be in there. I want to be the one making the shots. I want to be the one that, you know, puts his fingerprint on the team and uh yeah, I think it's just it'd be a cooler experience to have them being the coach.
1: Kyle, who you going with? Are you the coach or the GM?
3: I'm going to agree with you, George. I'm going coach. Is that what you said? I can't remember. Uh, I'm gonna go. with I haven't coach. said
1: anything yet. My choice clown. is a surprise. Still.
0: clown.
3: Tremendous. Uh, I'm gonna go with coach. Uh, I'm not equipped to be a GM. Uh, I think to be a GM, you have to be very decisive, uh, making those tough calls. And um, I'm not that kind of guy. But now, in the heat of the game, I think I can make uh, judgment calls on the ice. But I'm going to relate this to hockey, obviously. But as far as a GM, uh, that's not the the role for me, so I'm going coach.
0: I bet you know when to pull your goalie, eh, Kyle. Not gonna. You answer don't have that. to answer that question.
1: You don't have to answer that question.
0: For me, for me
1: personally, um, as I kind of hinted to at the beginning of this this question, to me it depends on the sport. Uh, the only sport that I'd want to be the coach in is baseball. Uh, to me, I love the game within the game. There, the bullpen management, kind of the lineup changes that I can make, and 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 that strategy piece. Otherwise. Uh, I want to be the, the the GM. I want to be the one making decisions when it comes to personnel. Uh, I want to be the one drafting and trading and being part of those conversations with other teams and the negotiations. To me, that's just fascinating. To Seti's point, those kind of behind-the-scenes uh, documentaries and shows that show us kind of the, they remove the veil of secrecy behind these, these uh, organizations. I find super fascinating and I love that kind of piece to it. And then, of course, I'm a tie-in coach's his point as well when it comes to job security. Uh, as a GM, if usually if things are going wrong, you've got at least a minimum one or two coaching changes to make before the accountability switches to you uh, so you have a lot of time to course correct and make sure you're getting things right. So uh, that's where I'm going to side with on that. But just once again, guys, make sure you guys go on our social media and uh, participate and let us know what you think. Yeah. Another great addition of Would You Rather. And then our final final segment here, guys, our better of the week. Really quick, Kyle, we'll start with you. With less than three months until the Tokyo Olympics, organizers insisted the Games will go ahead, but do you actually think we'll see a Summer Olympics this year? Yes or no?
3: I don't. um, I don't think the world is in the place right now where every country can have a fair chance at competing. Uh, So no, I don't think so.
0: Coach? I think a big part of it has to do with attendance of fans. Like, I think it's one thing to go to the, the largest stage in the world when it comes to sports and not be able to have fans from wherever you're from be there to support you. I think that part of the world in regards to the pandemic uh, is doing well. Uh, Kind of if you compare to the rest of the world, you look at places like New Zealand and Australia that are completely COVID free and, 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 and life there has gone back to normal. So whether or not they choose to go, uh, will be up to them, obviously, but do I think the Olympics happen? Um, unfortunately not. And uh, they will have to be postponed yet again. Uh, I know we're scheduled to have the Winter Olympics next year. That may also be postponed. So my answer in short is no, there will be no Olympics this year. Sadi, what's your thoughts here?
2: I'm going to go yes. I think uh, we, we will see uh, an Olympics this year. It might be limited in terms of participation. But I think they, they still carry on with it. Um, you know, even pre-pandemic every year or every Olympics, they always build a, an Olympic village where the athletes reside in. So I think uh, if they've got that going, it'll kind of create just a natural bubble if they close it off to any outsiders. Uh, have them quarant- uh, make sure that the athletes are vaccinated, have them quarantine in their rooms uh, you know, you know two weeks, have them come in two weeks before the events, and I think you're able to pull it off. Uh, no problem.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with SETI here. Uh, looking at it right now, as far as COVID cases, uh, th- today or yesterday, May 3rd, Tokyo had 708 new cases in a, in a, in a city that basically holds about 9.2 million people. Uh, and so, the way I look at this here is when we look at last year, I believe, and I could be wrong here, but they had already made the decision to postpone by this time last year, May. They've already postponed it a year. Uh, and if they don't have it this year, well, they're not going to have it next to the year after. They'll probably just wait until two years from now in 2020, uh, 2024. Uh, and so when it comes to actual money, these athletes aren't paid. And so I, I don't see the cost being so big. The infrastructure is already there. Um, they've already built everything around it. They're ready to host the games. And so it would be actually a waste of money to not do it. Uh, As Seti alluded, and as we've seen in all the other major sports right now, uh, the bubble or kind of a safe move forward when it comes to the logistics of professional sports right now, or uh, in the case of Olympic sports, is doable. uh, And not having the the Olympics is going to cost them a lot more than having it uh, because you're going to have big TV deals, sponsorship deals. And so, yeah, you may not be able to see as much of the tourism, uh, you may not see as much of the the stands and the tickets being sold to these events, but I think they're still going to stand to make some good money. Uh, and as I said, it's not like the cost is astronomical. The cost has already been paid for the infrastructure, uh, and these athletes are not are not being paid by the Olympic Games to be there. Yeah, there's accommodations and whatnot, but that's quite minimal when you think of the grand scheme of things. And so I think this is going to happen. So that's it for the episode, guys. Really quick, want to give our uh, our, our round table here. Coach, we'll start with you. Anything you want to leave our listeners with uh, as we wrap up this this week and this episode for uh, another edition?
0: Yeah, I'd like to apologize to my next-door neighbor. Uh, I've been practicing my golf swing on their lawn because their lawn is cut shorter than mine. And uh, I think I made a few divots, so if you're listening to this, I don't even know your name, but I'm sorry, and I will not fix your grass. But thanks for, thanks for letting me use your grass. Uh, looking forward to being able to apply my swing on a real golf course rather than maybe break your window. So other otherwise hanging in there, uh, one day at a time and that's it. What's up with you, Seti?
2: Yeah. Uh, maybe a, you know, a couple things. things actually, uh, went for my first run today in almost two years. So I'm hoping to keep that momentum going and, uh, getting my fitness back up maybe for, uh, maybe a potential soccer season this, this coming this summer. Uh, other than that, uh, the Raptors on a a Western road trip right now. They actually beat the Lakers with LeBron and AD in the lineup, which is a a good sign. And then they're playing the, the Clippers tonight, which should be a good game. So they got uh, a few games left, hoping they can sneak, sneak their way into uh, a play or play in tournament spot and uh, make the playoffs. So that's what I'm looking forward to.
3: So something to uh, keep in mind for next week, I'm starting the, uh, first part of a three-part sour beer series so uh definitely stay tuned for that
1: awesome and for me uh i've been fully on board with my blue jays Vladdy guerrero jr has been solid bo bichette has been great we only saw a small sample size of george springer before he hit the uh he's taking a few days off right now with what they're calling leg fatigue teostra hernandez is off the COVID il and looking real good Uh, I think that Blue Jays lineup is looking really stellar. And as we move into the summer, they're going to be really great to watch. So I'm really excited to watch some more Blue Jays baseball. So that's all we got for you guys this week. Uh, We hope you enjoyed. We want to thank you for listening. On behalf of producer Segs, Kyle, McMonster, Bland, Coach, and Seti, I'm George. Thank you again for listening to another edition of Gym Class Zero's podcast. And hope
0: you tune in next week. Take care. I'm fired up. I am fired up. Coach says, don't fucking retire, you dummy." I love Tom Wilson. It's not part of the game. May the fourth be with you. May the fifth be with you.